Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 67. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Gazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. A very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all those who celebrate. And Dave, we got the best gift of all, a Pittsburgh Steelers win, uh, a comfortable win, a fun win. Did not know that was allowed. I guess we've been good boys this year, Dave. Pittsburgh 34 to 11 over the Bengals. Pittsburgh now 8 and 7 on the season. They have renewed playoff hopes. So it's a good day. How you doing? Merry Christmas, Alex, and Merry Christmas to uh, the listeners. Ho, ho, holy hell, what happened <laughs> Saturday night or Saturday afternoon? Uh, I suppose uh, I suppose we have been pretty good. I can't wait to get to the all twenty two. That's 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 going to probably be the best Christmas present uh, for for me this year is when the uh, uh, the all twenty two from that game drops because I've I've already picked out a few what I think are going to be some nice Easter eggs <laughs> in 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 that uh, based on you know all the TV tape and all. It'll be fun to. Uh, look at some more positive stuff, uh, which I, I think we're going to see coming out of that game and all. So uh, they did what they're supposed to do. I had zero expectations going into uh, Saturday's game based on the way this team has played the last three weeks. I was obvious curi- obviously curious to see how uh, Mason Rudolph would perform uh, in that game and the rest of the team obviously as well. And, you know, banged up secondary, banged up linebacker core and uh, Jake Browning coming off of a couple of good games uh, after, after, making you know his debut his first start against the Steelers you know several weeks ago the Steelers won obviously that game uh they ended up what sweeping the Bengals now this year and and, and uh the Steelers now have a chance to uh uh to I guess go what five and one uh in in mm-hmm. the AFC North I don't think the Bengals have won a game in the division uh this year who had all that on their bingo card this year Yeah, not I, not most people. So jam-packed show today. We'll try to get through as many things as possible, but a lot has happened before, during, and then after Saturday. Dave, where do you want to start from here? Maybe just a kind of quick housekeeping, and then we'll dive right right on into the game. Mason Rudolph, the quarterback situation coming into this weekend's game against Seattle, etc., a bunch of roster moves were made on Friday, as we expected. I may miss something. If, uh, If I do, Dave, feel free to jump in and add it, but Elijah Riley activated off of injured reserve. Um, Anthony McFarlane, we know he was released on Thursday to help clear room. The team signing outside linebacker Kyron Johnson from the practice squad to their 53-man roster. He was out of elevation, so that's why the signing occurred. Team also elevating uh, safety Eric Rowe and linebacker Miles Shack from the practice squad to the active and active roster, both dressed and played and uh, played, you know, meaningful and significant roles in Pittsburgh's victory. So from the housekeeping standpoint there, did they miss anything from the flurry of roster moves that were made prior to the game? Uh, No, they're back to a 53 man roster, obviously again. And uh, yeah, I think you got all the, uh, all the elevations in there, right? Uh, Activated Riley, 
uh, and signed Chiron Johnson and then the two elevations. And you would imagine now one of those, probably Miles Jack, uh, at some point this week will end up uh, on the 53-man roster. Uh, pending... Another boy, this team snake bitten at, at mm. inside linebacker. Are they not a Landon Roberts uh, went down in this game with uh, what they're calling a pec injury? Looked like he attempted to arm tackle. What was it? A tight end, I think. Uh, at that point, uh, kind of in the in the it was the first quarter or early in the second quarter, I think, and left the game and 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 and, and did not return at that point and. You know, you hope it's not torn, but uh, he, he did not re-enter the game. And now we'll wait and see what uh, he had it in a sling, I guess, after the game. And so now we await to see what uh, Mike Tomlin has to say about that on Tuesday. And just to guess, but uh, in kind of the way that Mike Tomlin phrased it uh, during the post-game press conference about being kind of snake-bitten at the position there, I think it'd be anything, it would be a positive if, 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 they end up getting and getting the news that he's not out for the season. Right. If he could come back for even a potential playoff game, you probably take that as a win. So feel for that guy. He had five tackles in basically mm-hmm. a quarter and a couple of minutes. And I think still finished third or fourth on the team in tackles despite that. So uh, if, if it's a significant injury, as it seems to be, it's, it's devastating for him, how well he was playing, how important he was to the Pittsburgh Steelers after losing Cole Holcomb, after losing Quan Alexander, so we'll just wait and see. Maybe hear from Mike Tomlin on Tuesday with an update about Alandon Roberts. But uh, that blemish aside, what a win for the Pittsburgh Steelers, 34-11, to 11, scoring 30 points and a victory for the first time since 2020, winning comfortably, big plays offensively, splash plays defensively, another 50-yard field goal from Chris Boswell. It is by far easily this team's most complete game, not only of this season, but probably of the last several seasons. And I mean, of all the scenarios in which I thought this game would play out, I thought a Pittsburgh win was possible, although I did pick Cincinnati, but winning this dramatically in this sort of fashion, I did not anticipate that. Yeah, I double checked the NFL rules and all, and it seems like what happened on Saturday was allowed. Mm. Uh, uh, Gene Steratore did confirm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Man, it was uh, when's the last time? get to enjoy kind of like a fourth quarter uh, related to that. Did I actually see the Bengals kind of wave the white flag at about, I guess, what was it about the six minute mark or so? Uh, Would you ever see Mike Tomlin kind of wave the white flag uh, uh, like that? I mean, look, I mean, the Steelers have obviously been on, 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 on the losing end of a couple of games like uh, that this year, you go back week one and all like that. But uh, uh uh, it it was unique and 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 very enjoyable. You know, even so, there there were parts at the get of the game you thinking they're gonna let the Bengals kind of you, <laughs> you kind of had your guard down. Are they gonna let them back in this thing at some point? But uh, uh, once once uh, Mason Rudolph connected with uh, George Pickens with what about nine thirty eight. Uh, left in 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 the third quarter to kind of immediately answer that long touchdown by the uh, by the Bengals there. Uh, I was feeling a lot more comfortable at that point. I'm sure a lot of people listening were as well. Yeah, to me, just to kind of dive right in into this game, that was the defining moment of the game. I knew maybe it didn't feel like that in a sense, considering the hot start Pittsburgh got out to, including an 86-yard touchdown by George Pickens on the first pass play of the game for the Steelers. But 
to answer points with points that the Bengals, they hit a big 80 yard play to T Higgins. They get the two point conversion. It's technically a two score game at that point. And you think, okay, is this where the Bengals jump back into this thing? Will they start to impose their will here in the second half and adjust? And then Pittsburgh right after that a minute and a half later, 66 yards left sideline Rudolph to Pickens to answer points for points, make it 31 to eight. That was Pittsburgh slamming the door. The Bengals were trying to you know, crack open. Absolutely. Uh, a good answer uh, to that long uh, touchdown by Higgins. All right. I'm not even sure where to start from here. I mean, just Mason Rudolph, what a performance by him. His first start since 2021, really his first true start in terms of having a full week of reps and knowing he would be the starter since the 2020 regular season finale. Dave, I wrote about on, I think it was Friday, is there football justice for Mason Rudolph in Mike Tomlin's world? There would be considering just you know, him biding his time and waiting, being the backup, putting the work in, finally getting his chance. It was it was awesome to see it. You know, good for him, good for the team, obviously, but just kind of on a personal level for that guy to be the third string quarterback, not dress, know you're not going to play for for so long, and kind of probably wonder, I'm sure. And I think he even admitted after the game, will I basically ever play again? And for him to go out there and get the opportunity and then make the most of it, just the performance Pittsburgh needed. Yeah, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen from here on uh, on out. And if indeed that was the last step that, that Mason Rudolph uh, will take, I mean, we're going to have a good conversation about that at some point here during this show today here. But I, I'll tell you what, uh, if, if that, those were the last snaps that he played this season for the Steelers, He's probably made himself a little bit of money at a minimum. He's going to, I would think, get a team willing to offer him maybe the Steelers, you know, minimum uh, benefit contract once again. And, and uh, to make a million dollars holding a clipboard in, in, in the NFL, is it, you know, overly bad, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, now obviously, you know, if he does play and, and, and doesn't follow that up with, with, with good play and all like that, could, that could as a, uh, impact his future, uh, obviously status and all, but if indeed that was his last snaps, that's the last thing that he has on tape and it was pretty impressive overall. Now, was he perfect in this game? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, he, he, he even said after the game, you know, a couple of throws, you probably like to have back most notably one of those on a, uh, 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 slot fade to Deontay Johnson, who really did a good job of cooking. Who was that? Mike Hilton. It was Mike Hilton. Yeah. yeah uh, 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 on that play there. And that was a layup he missed. And uh, there were, you know, one or two other throws uh, in the game. I'm sure he would like to have a, have back, but you know, what have we talked about protecting the football? Right. And uh, he did that overall, no interceptions in the game uh, used mostly the outer areas of the field. I think the Bengals went into this game uh, having remembered what, what the Steelers did to them in that game uh, previous game, especially right out of the shoot of, of, of using Pat Fryermuth and using uh, the middle of the field. I think they went into this one saying, look, we're not going to let that happen again. We're going to make the Steelers uh, uh, beat us more on the outside. Uh, Mason Rudolph obviously did that with several throws uh, uh, to the numbers or outside. Thought he was real patient in certain situations of taking what was given him on a couple of these check downs mm-hmm. and, 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 and uh, swing outs and dump offs to the running backs there. That was nice to see a couple of screens worked in this one, but there were a lot of things in this game. It's like, <laughs> it's like, 
oh, wow, that's allowed, you know? So, uh, yeah, look, I mean, uh, just from a game management standpoint alone, I thought Mason uh, did well. And on top of that, obviously being able to uh, stretch the football down the field vertically uh, into, you know, most most notably George Pickens. And I think uh, we'd be remiss by not going directly to that angle here, especially as much uh, talking as we did about Pickens and the attitude and all the things coming out of the game against the Colts and all like that. Uh, you know, I believe I said the best thing that can happen for Pickens is to come out in this game and get, you know, several catches, 130 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Well, he, he, he did better than that. Four catches, 195 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, was was on the receiving end of all three explosive plays that the Steelers had in this game. Uh, we 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 were hoping that moving forward that that we would not have to talk about Pickens in a negative light. Uh, 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 at least immediately here in this game against the Bengals, there is nothing but positive that we can say about Pickens coming out of this game. So kudos uh, to him for bouncing back after what I'm sure was. Uh, look, he heard it. He heard it mm-hmm. all week, you know, and how could you not? You know, he, he even got it uh, early in uh, early uh, Saturday morning. Heinz Ward chiming in on on a podcast interview that he did kind of uh, get one last kind of giving him the business uh, kind of shot there. So for him to come out there and have the game that he did that what he put what he put on tape in that game against the Bengals was the reason you drafted him. Yep, you've seen George Pickens at his worst, and in this game, you saw George Pickens at his best. And the the variety in which the big plays came, they weren't all made the same way. You have the 86-yard touchdown taking a five-yard slant and outrunning the Bengals' defense into the end zone for, I don't know, 80 yards of yak on that play. I think his top speed was the 11th fastest of any player on any singular play this season. You saw the 44-yarder down the sideline, the close out the first half late in the first half, I believe it was, you know, the, the body control, getting his feet in bounds, tracking the football, difficult catch along the sideline like that, making that grab. And then the 66 yarder showing the breakaway speed stack in the corner, breaking away at the end. Um, so you're seeing it all to different levels, all with different traits. And this is why Mike Tomlin's sticking by and committed to developing George Pickens. I think it's important to note that, and Tomlin's made this point, this is a fluid process. There's going to be good days and bad days and things might come up come up, come up in the future and it's going to be more great performances. So, you know, you're never going to have this perfect constant of it's always trending upwards, it's always trending downwards. It's kind of going to be an ebb and flow to it. But Pickens, the player, the talent is immense. That's why Pittsburgh's sticking by him. And so kudos for to him for, for stepping up and having a, a fantastic game, a, a ridiculous stat line 48.8 yards per catch on, on four receptions just insane type of stuff there um and and hopefully this can kind of just set the course of okay when we we buckle down and we make the plays and life is good this is what it feels like don't forget what this feels like let's chase this feeling every game it's not going to happen every single game but this is the reward this is why you put in the work and this is what this this all can look like when things come together. So hopefully that can kind of be a reminder when something comes up in the future and you have a tough game, doesn't go your way. You look back on this and say, let's keep working. We're going to get back to this point. Yeah. I think the biggest thing and Heinz Ward was uh, quick to point this out as well. Sometimes you, and, and you know, I mentioned this as well to you as a wide receiver, you can't control where the ball goes. 
you can only con con control your actions on the field uh, every play. And there are going to be some games, as, as Hines mentioned, uh, where they, they, you know, you're going to see a, a safety up over the top of you and every, everything's going to be done. Uh, uh, that's that's possible to kind of take a, a you know, wide receiver like that out of the game. Uh, you you cannot control that. You can only can control when the ball is in the air coming coming your way. And and I think that's important too for for him to remember that moving forward here. And what you put on tape in between uh, that also matters there. So uh, and look, I, I think you brought up a good point when when you look at the four receptions overall, you got to see a little bit of everything with mm -hmm. him. You know, uh, you got to see the, you know, what was one of the things that was highlighted about Pickens, you know, coming out that, that Mike Thomas, the body control. And you got to see that on, on one of those fantastic, uh, catches along the sideline there. Uh, the, uh, the ability to separate boy on, 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 on that second touchdown, a little bit of a B coming out of, uh, in there with that kind of that subtle, uh, right hand getting that a uh, little bit of extension uh, to, to look uh, uh, wide receivers are already kind of disadvantaged a little bit uh, at, at times. I'm all for offensive pass interference to, to some degree, if you can get away with it. We saw Antonio Brown do that quite a bit uh, uh, that kind of subtleness there to gain last minute separation. So that was good to see uh, the ability to catch short run long, uh, on on what was that slant flat dragon concept early mm -hmm. uh, in, in 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 the game there? How many times have we called to man? Be nice to see some of these slants uh, mixed in there and get some yards after the catch. So that was yet a, 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 another thing uh, that you saw in that. And more importantly, putting it in the end zone. Yeah. And uh, Lord knows that this team has had trouble scoring points for so for for half of his four catches to end up in in the end zone uh, was a positive. On, on on top of it so good for him absolutely uh and and kudos to mason rudolph i mean we've said for a while the one thing rudolph that really sticks out with his game consistently in good times and bad is he throws a pretty deep ball it's accurate you know it's got a good arm it's not the strongest arm but his touch and his placement is excellent and you know just bottom line is he got he got the results i mean he took some some deep shots on third and short that we criticized Mitch Trubisky for, and there are some differences there in terms of game circumstance and how much time is left and that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is he completed them, and that's that's what this team was looking for. I mean, they wanted points. They needed points. They needed big plays, and Rudolph provided that. So the, the bottom line is the bottom line. The results were there, and kudos to Rudolph for that. Yeah, two elements, you know, that we talk about ahead of this game. Protect the football because we know how how important, you know, obviously that's an obvious thing in, in, in every uh, football game. Uh, don't turn the football over. But on top of that, specifically the Steelers <laughs> these last couple of years, I mean, don't turn the football over. You're probably going to win win the game uh, when it when it when it comes to them. Uh, second thing is, is, OK, you uh, you're going to protect the football. How are you going to be able to manufacture these explosive plays? Because you had to figure at some point you're going to have to push the football uh, 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 you know, down the field to some degree. And he was able to do that. Man, his, his adjusted net yards per passing mm. attempt number uh huge now obviously yak played a a, a a big part in that usually does when you get a highly inflated number uh what, like that. what is this number do we know is the official uh number? what did i say it was i'll have to re research it real quick here but it was uh it was up there for him i'm sure i'm guessing i don't even know 
12, 14. I mean, 14, something like that. Some, something gaudy, I'm sure. I mean, 290 yards on 17 completions. Oh, 11, 11.57. I'm sorry. Okay, still. I mean, one game, obviously, but fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> you. You're probably not going to lose too many games if, if, if you're uh, have, you know, more than 20 attempts and have a adjusted net yard for passing attempt number of, of 11.5. Is that the best of the season? Is anyone better oh, than yeah, that this year? Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as the Steelers or as far as well, I was, I was going to say league wide. I'm sure somebody is, but I yeah, probably I'd, I'd have to check. I would assume somebody's probably got, got a number to rival that or, 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 or be a little bit better than that. But as far as the Steelers go, I mean, that, yeah. that's, uh, that that's tops. Sure. Sure. But yeah, as you said, taking care of just finding that balance between making big plays, but taking care of the football, hitting your, you know, hitting your check down were, were big plays. You hit Warren on the check down. I think was that a third down or some point early in the game where yeah. nothing was there and he just found him and he, and he picked up uh, the first down. So even it, it wasn't always the big play, the the highlight real play, but it was just taking what was there, hitting the check down, throwing the ball away. Just, I mean, not only did he not turn the ball over, was there even one pass that made you wince and go oh that was that was a close one i don't know if he had one maybe maybe one or two but i mean overall it was just really clean efficient solid decision making with execution that's winning football spread the football around a little bit as well too picking Allen robinson four catches for 36 yards hang that one in the louvre <laughs> uh uh Jalen warren went with, with, with five catches for 30 yards deontay had a couple could have had one more we talked about on that on that slot fade uh uh washington had one on a nice little uh flare out over there to the right side uh Miles Boykin a cat. Well, yeah, I mean, it really was Christmas. One catch for six yards for him. Uh, I like the fact that Calvin, it, he didn't have any catches in the game, but I like the fact that Calvin Austin was targeted twice in this game. Uh, one of them, if, if, if Mason puts that out there a little bit further, that's probably an easy catch, maybe even another touchdown at a minimum. Uh, I thought that should have drawn pass interference. Now, look, you know, some people will scream, well, underthrown balls shouldn't draw pass interference calls. Okay. I mean, if you're, if you're, a, if you subscribe to that, uh, have at it, but there's no doubt that, uh, that several that was people, Hilton. That was Hilton, uh, right? yeah, several, several people could lit, could, could, could watch. There's probably, I know for a fact, several people, uh, listening to this thought, man, that, if that's not pass interference, I don't know what is. It was. I mean, by definition, by the rule, the rule does not have a carve out for underthrown footballs. But I guess slot fades were the one kryptonite for Rudolph in this game, missing Deontay and, and underthrowing Calvin. But other than that, he was was fantastic. Yeah, even Darnell Washington had his mm. you know weekly almost you know pass in the flat and a little over his head, and that's why he's six seven able to bring that one in. So yeah, a couple things to. to to work on and wish you had back, but you know, just based on the low bar, this quarterback play for the entire season, that is a, uh, you know, for, for, for this season, a hall of fame performance by Mason Rudolph uh, in comparison to what this team has been doing. Absolutely. But what I also really liked about this game was how they closed things out, how they were able to run the football and it wasn't as gaudy and as flashy without, you know, the big explosive runs, but in the second half, I'm sure you love watching that Dave. Just old school football, the line getting a great push, the Bengals run defense has been poor all season. And then without DJ reader, one of their top interior defensive tackles, Pittsburgh really thought, you know, took control of the line of scrimmage in the second half. They were winning up front. The pile was constantly moving forward and Harris and Warren um, had solid days on the ground. Overall Harris punching in from three yards out, I believe in the first half. So just kind of imposing your will 
the way the Colts did to Pittsburgh in the second half last week. I thought Pittsburgh did to Cincinnati in the second half of this game. I was wanting to see 13 consecutive (laughs) 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 runs in in, in this one. Uh, But, uh, you know, they have done a good job overall keeping Najee Harris fresh in games, and it became a little bit of uh, Hammer Harris, if you will, uh, in in that second uh, half of that game. 19 carries, 78 uh, yards for him, Uh, a good success rate overall for him. Uh, in in this game, they mixed uh, obviously Calvin Austin uh, into the running game down at the uh, the goal line, and I don't think we can go any further without pointing out the uh, the Jay, Jalen Warren uh, uh, block on Jermaine Pratt uh, uh, down there. Uh, that's 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 going to be hung at the facility and highlighted in the meeting room uh, 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 this week for sure. If it hasn't already uh, there, uh, what can you say about that kid? That's how he plays. That's what you can say the, the best about that, that kid, Jalen Warren is that's how he always plays in any situation. Um, it, it's not just that one singular moment. I mean, he is an all effort, all out type of dude, and he's as fun to watch without the football as he is with the football in his hands. And he's pretty fun to watch with the football in his hands. Mm-hmm. Pass protection. You think back to his rookie year, running down kicks and punts, not really doing that anymore, and, and nor should he, but making blocks out in space. But yeah, I think Jermaine Pratt still picking grass out of his helmet from that play. So, I mean, just to, to do those little things, I mean, that's what team is all about. And uh, that's what Jalen Warren is all about. And Jermaine, we're not talking about, you know, a, uh, a borderline player, Jermaine Pratt either. He's a, <laughs> he's a good player, you know, to deplete him like that, uh, uh, in the manner that it happened, that was, that was a tone setter that that's an identity, mm-hmm. uh, right there. And the other thing that stuck out, you know, with all the noise about the, uh, 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 pickings and, and not blocking for Warren in that, uh, game against the Colts and all, and you know, obviously later on in the week, kind of some of the quote, uh, par- partial quote of, of Jalen Warren was was highlighted as saying, you know, if that's me in that situation, I would have blocked and all like that. Uh, after that, you know, uh, it's easy to it was easy. You know, some of these things are easy to pick out because of the narratives attached to them, right? Mm-hmm, sure. You know, uh, the 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 Pickens situation in the Colts game was easy to pick out because of everything that went on in that game. And, you know, uh, the negative connotation of losing. And then, you you know, as we talked about that, it's easy to pick out. Well, it's also easy to pick out in this game uh, that second touchdown by uh, by uh, George Pickens. Who's the first one running down there to greet him in the end zone? Oh, was it Jalen? I don't know if I even picked Jaylen up Jalen Warren. And he's okay. screaming down there, too. I <laughs> mean, because obviously it's a long play and all like that. Uh, he is screaming down the middle of the field there, first one to the end zone to to uh, to, to, to chest bump Pickens. Uh, is is Jalen Warren the offensive player? Uh, 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 if, you're, if you were to vote, I mean, who – and look, obviously, George Pick, you're not going to de- deny some of the things George Pickens has done this year. But pound for pound, week to week, is Jalen Warren the offensive player of the year for the Steelers? Arguably. I hadn't sat down and really calculated it. We'll probably do that as a depot crew at the end of the season. I imagine he's going to get many, if not the majority, of the votes. He's, he's the soul, and he's 
what this team is supposed to be. And 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 to me, what that just shows, you know, Jalen Warren having that moment with Pickens, I'll have to go back and watch it, is, you know, this is still team. And you at some point, you know, yes, Pickens screwed up. He, he's got to address it. You got to be better. But at some point, you got to move on and just say, okay, next game, let, let's just clean slate. And I think Warren kind of shows that short-term memory there of, okay, what happened last week is last week. We're here right now. Let's celebrate the good times. And again, you know, let's remember what this feeling is like and how fun how fun football can be when you're winning and when you're making plays. Let's kind of harbor and hold on to that feeling and bottle that up going forward. So, I mean, it's been a frustrating month of December for this team with losses and media stuff and just, you know, your playoff hopes were dwindling. And this was obviously a must, must win game. And so to have this kind of out output and performance just just makes you feel good again and remember that this thing can be fun. Another thing that we had highlighted, uh, not on the show, but uh, in our Discord uh, room and all like that, something we were watching for to potentially happen. Oh, well, before we go any further, uh, George Pickens over a thousand yards for the season receiving. All right. So uh, mm-hmm. that's, you know, we want to make sure that you know, as much as we hammered on him uh, 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 last week, that we make sure we, we, we put all the kudos out there for him. But another thing we were watching heading into this game uh, was Jalen Warren. Uh, he needed, what did we say, 52 scrimmage uh, total yards from scrimmage in this game to hit a, th- a, a, th- a thousand for the season, which would have been the first time an undrafted Steeders player had hit a thousand yards from scrimmage since Willie Parker did it, I think, three times during uh, his career. So that's that's a notable aspect there. You got an undrafted player in in in, in Jalen Warren, a thousand over over a thousand yards from scrimmage this year. And those are the only two, correct? In, in Pittsburgh history, so. yeah, it's Warren and Parker. Um, so really cool. And again, that's from scrimmage, not not rushing and receiving. To be clear about that, um, but yeah, making an impact in in all phases, run game, pass game as a receiver, pass game as a blocker. Some really good blitz pickups in this game. The Bengals love to mug their gaps. They'll bring linebackers. They kind of show some a lot of creepers and pressures and some pretty chaotic looks, especially on third and long. So I thought Pittsburgh overall communicated, handled that well. They stayed out of third and long. A lot. They were were really solid on third down overall. But yeah, I think Warren just does just everything you're looking for in a player. Still has that big chip on his shoulder, and he just helps you out in so many ways, big and small. Yeah, absolutely. Any other thoughts here with the offense? Just efficient, taking care of the football. What were they on third down? They were they were excellent on third down. Or at least seven of fourteen, fifty percent. That's evidently allowed. Yeah, they, they're 48.5% on third down in their two games against the Bengals. So just, just keep playing Cincinnati. There's more, mm-hmm. more opportunities to schedule the Bengals. Can we have a, a four-game slate? Uh, I'm all for it. But, yeah, something about playing the Bengals. Pittsburgh just has the right plan. And, and in this game, they finished drives. They didn't finish in that Week 12 win. That's why they got the 34 points as opposed to the 16 they had in that first matchup. But uh, everything clicking and, and Pittsburgh being able to run the ball and, and convert on third down and take care of the football in this one. It, it's basic stuff. It's not going to shock you, but it's stuff this team was not able to do during the three game losing skid. And they were able to finally put it together. I mean, as much as and, and, and Tomlin should get credit for, you know, kind of quote unquote, keeping the locker room together and that message message still getting through. And, and that's I'm sure partially true. Also, they just executed better than they had been. I mean, they just did not kick their own butt the way they kicked their own butt. Two penalties for 15 yards. I mean, that stuff Mm -hmm. like that, you know, the Colts game, they were penalized so much. So just not having those unforced errors goes a long way for this team winning a football game. 
Yeah, limited the negative plays. What's one thing that we've been highlighting the last several weeks and, and really all throughout the season? Man, can't stack the negative plays, especially with an offense like this. And 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 they obviously did a good job of, of, of avoiding those a high high percentage of it. As you you just hit on, uh, coming out of a game where you had what was a hundred something yards. Uh, in, in 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 penalties against the Colts on what was it nine or ten of those mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was there was only two total penalties in 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 this game and one of those I can't wait to see the all twenty two on uh, the end zone view on 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 Dan Moore to me that looked like kind of a snatch trap you know yeah that's called uh, blocking. yeah and i think he got kind of the raw end uh of the stick on that i thought the offensive line as a whole uh uh, really blocked well both in a run game and passing game uh mason cole i thought had a pretty good game uh overall in this one and look i mean it was obviously good enough to to move the football in the nature that they did and you know that that that's that's the bar yeah, I thought Broderick Jones in pass protection had some issues. I think he's been struggling the last couple of weeks. I think some, you know, inside moves are getting to him and stunt pickup needs to be cleaner overall. But yeah, the line protected well overall and the run blocking was really good across the board just in terms of that constant push and winning off the line. And again, it wasn't anything where you hit, you know, 30 yard type runs, but you were consistently winning. You were consistently successful, as you said, hardly any negative runs in this game. So uh, the point of attack, Pittsburgh, was the more physical team. Absolutely. All right, what about uh, the other side? Yeah, defensively, just really good. It starts with the run defense. And I was pretty confident this team would not let Joe Mixon do much in this game. My concern was, would that rookie Chase Brown make a play in space? Toss game, uh, screen, screen game, something like that. And he was you know, pretty much held in check. So if you're going to make the Bengals one-dimensional without Jamar Chase, with Jake Browning, a quarterback, it was going to be a hard path for them to win. Browning, to his credit, has been playing really well uh, in his you know, past three starts, but without Chase and without a run game, you kind of felt like you were in a really good place there. And, and Pittsburgh obviously teed off, and to get three picks, three takeaways was what they needed. Yeah, uh, the one of the five keys that I put out this week was, and we had talked about it, uh, the usage of the backs in the screen game uh, for them. And they came right on out uh, early with, with 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 the screen. What like the first or second play was, was a running back screen and got some pretty decent yardage on it. I'm thinking, ah oh, man, they're gonna let these backs uh, eat on them. But they did a, a good job as the game went on in 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 in, in controlling that. Uh, look, uh, Brown had two catches for eight yards and Mixon had two for seven. So four, uh, four passes to the running backs in this game for 15 yards. Uh, now obviously the game started to get away from the Bengals and, and that's what you wanted that Mm -hmm. that's something that you wanted to do. I mean, when's the last time that you've seen this team get a lead like, like, like that, where the defense can start trying to tee off, you know, uh, and, and, and that's exactly what what had happened here. Now Browning uh, did not did not have a great game, but that first interception that he threw to Pat uh, Pete in the end zone, another red zone takeaway for this uh, team. True, uh, uh, Alex. Seven. Eight, I got. I got. I forgot about that. I got to check that. They're, yeah. they're a ton this year. Uh, and on that one, you know, flush from the pocket and he even admitted he was just trying to throw the football away and <laughs> he didn't throw it far away enough, he was <laughs> right, right in the middle of the end zone and, and an early Christmas gift to Pat Pete, but you got to capitalize uh, on those things. And, and what the second one, uh, was, uh, 
I think he just got kind of got confused with 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 kind of the zone coverage in in that aspect of it there. Uh, threw another one kind of right right to Eric Rother. Uh, another thing that kind of stuck out, you know, played on, and I talked about maybe this being a potential possibility. I think ahead of the show that we were we going to see this team play more zone. Uh, in, in, in this game. And, and there wasn't up, I don't have the final numbers yet, but there was an uptick, uh, in, 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 in zone after both mostly being kind of a man coverage team for, for, for most of the season here. Uh, so, uh, your second interception went to Eric Rowe. How great is that guy comes off the practice squad first game in the black and gold gets an interception. And then the third, uh, interception, um, uh, looked like that was, was that cover three on, 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 on that particular one. Cause you had Alex Heisman start with his hand in the ground and then drop into a middle of the field, uh, type coverage. I haven't seen the all 22 on that, but, uh, boy, Alex Heisman to, to look at that play in its totality. Uh, it's one thing for, for these outside linebackers to drop when they're, when they're standing up. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. but he starts with his hand in the ground and then drops out of that. Not only does he drop, he drops pretty damn deep, you know, in, in, in kind of, kind of the, what the hook zone, uh, type area there, and then makes a great athletic play, uh, to, to security interception. Uh, I couldn't help but think right after that, when is the last time that we've seen an outside linebacker, you know, maybe the, how far down the field was the TJ Watt interception against the, uh, the, the, Rams. the Rams earlier in the season there. And, and, and would that rival this one, but uh, to, to, for an outside linebacker to get uh, a, a true non-tipped interception uh, that far down the field, that's pretty impressive. And it was a, just a great play overall by Alex Highsmith, who, by the way, had a great game uh, overall in this one as well, too, as did TJ Watt. My thought on that pick was, how about the hands of these outside linebackers? TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, they're making, you know, cornerback safety interceptions this season. So you talk about, you know, th- these guys are more than just pass rushers. And I think with Watt, especially in this great and endless debate about who's the best edge rusher and who's the best in that position, him or Parsons or Garrett Crosby, all fantastic, amazing players. But Watt has that complete element to his game and, and Highsmith can show it too. I think Highsmith and coverage has been excellent this year, covering the flats and picking off two passes this year with a pick six. Um, so those guys truly do it all for Pittsburgh run game, pass rush, dropping into coverage. I mean, those guys are, are, are extremely versatile. I think Highsmith's was deeper than Watts. It was kind of almost Debo like that, right. that Highsmith had kind of getting that kind of depth and picking that off. But um, yeah, again, these from, guys. from a hand in the ground too. That was, that, that was one thing that stuck out to me immediately too, is he, he's coming out of a position from with, with his hand in the ground. I'll have to check my charting, but I've noticed he's been rushing or at least putting his hand in the ground more often in recent weeks. Usually that's a TJ Watt thing. Highsmith typically doesn't, but I'll, I think over the past month or so, he might be trying to experiment with some of those things, maybe for his get off or something, but obviously dropping on that play again, giving the illusion that you're going to rush with your hand down and then back off. I don't think Browning ever saw Highsmith. I don't think Browning ever saw Eric Rowe. So again, kind of mixing up and disguising things and Browning getting some tunnel vision that led to mistakes and Pittsburgh capitalizing. Now he said on that uh, final one, Browning did that at that point, you're just trying to make plays. So, yeah. you know, got, 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 got overly uh, aggressive on that final one, but uh, three takeaways, three, nothing in the takeaway department. Where you wanted to be at this three game losing streak. Pittsburgh's defense had one, combined takeaway they had a couple of block punts but defensively just one of them that's not the standard that they need to live by so 
Um, aside from the T. Higgins touchdown, that's the only blemish there. That's cover two. Looked like Michael Walker. He drifted too far. Should have passed the back off in the flat to Porter and got out of his zone, which opened the window for Higgins behind. But other than that, Pittsburgh's defense was on point. Yeah, and you hope you would hope that a safety would be able to clean that up, but uh, obviously didn't. Yeah, I mean, Roe Peterson had broken on the ball the other way, and then Roe didn't take a great angle, and, and the team speed for this defense is still pretty subpar. So Higgins, you know, was able to outrun everybody. But I, I just think about the the guys when the season starts, Dave. You didn't think he'd be talking about in Week All 16, right. Miles Jack coming in, and he had a really good game. I should have probably put him on, on my winners list. I didn't, regrettably. But I mean, the, to replace Landon Roberts' communication standpoint, I'm sure was important. I think he had the green dot. He had what six tackles and two quarterback hits and a sack and nearly a pick off a, a tipped or deflected pass off the Bengals uh, player's hand um, to come in and do that. You know, his first game back is huge. What Roe was able to do in his first game as a Steeler, that was huge. Even maybe smaller roles like Chandon Sullivan playing more slot snaps. He didn't have maybe a, a particular play, but just absorbing more snaps recently with some of the cornerback stuff going on. Patrick Peterson I mean, we're just kind of taking for granted this dude's playing safety now, but this guy's playing really good at safety and he just jumped in there. And I mean, thank goodness there's a guy like that that you trust and has the IQ to to handle that kind of stuff. I mean, we just, you know, I mean, he's not Minka, obviously, but we just kind of assume, okay, Pat Pete's Pete, going to play safety. Dude's never really played safety before. So I just want to acknowledge like this dude's playing, you know, good football and doing things Pittsburgh, you know, has to ask him to do because they don't have much, much, much of a choice, but he's stepping in and playing well. How many, uh, you done with the charting yet? How many different combinations did they use in 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 this game of players? You you ended up being pretty busy, didn't you? Yeah, my charting's not done quite yet. Later tonight, I, I did notice though, and I'll have to kind of drill it down maybe for Wednesday's show. Is the Pittsburgh was rotating their guys more in terms of the edge guys? In terms, of, I saw Keanu Benton getting more sub package nickel snaps early in this game, so I don't have the exact you know, numbers and, and, and charting on that. But my field just watching it through was you saw those guys get more snaps. I think TJ Watt played 70% of the snaps in this one. And it wasn't just garbage time where they right. took him out. Um, you saw her big and golden playing more. So I think just keeping those guys fresh was, was important. Yeah. And, and uh, an important uh, thing that you, that you pointed out there was uh, it wasn't just garbage time. Cause this was happening early in the game. In fact, uh, Marcus golden played 20 snaps in this Good. game. Uh, Nick Herbert played 17 in this Good. game. Uh, there. So uh, good job on, 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 on rotating those guys into the game. Isaiah Loudermilk, who ended up getting the helmet this week over to Marvin Leal, 13 snaps and had a very important uh, pressure, you know, a, a good pressure in this game as well, as well too. Uh, and it's the one way that Loudermilk as, uh, as a pass rusher won in college and so far <laughs> at, at, at the NFL level, that push pull of his. So you'd like to see him be able to, to do more than that, but at least his bread and butter uh, is still his bread and butter. One move better than no moves, I guess. Somehow that pass was still caught. Browning just throwing up prayers. I mean, I think it's kind of luck ran out in this game. Even against Minnesota, he threw up a couple Hail Marys that Higgins, you know, fortunately came down with. And I think it was Yosef somehow caught that one that, that Lottermilk got the pressure on. But yeah, I think Lottermilk has outplayed Leal. Um, and I think he should continue to get the hat. Yeah, I, I would agree there. Uh, Joey Porter, uh, as expected, followed around T. Higgins and uh, did a good job clamping him up. 
Yeah, on the touchdown, that's not on Porter. It's cover two. Higgins breaking inside, so uh, Porter does not bear responsibility for that. I believe the stat is on the other reps where you know Porter was truly on Higgins. Higgins basically had you know, no production overall. I had the article today. I think it's gotten kind of popular on the site and people on Twitter taking notice. Well, the, the coverage is obviously important, and he's doing a good job there. The tackling has really gotten better for Joey Porter Jr. the last six or seven games. I think the most underrated and forgotten play this game, Dave, was the second and one tackle that Porter had on Trenton Irwin that set up the third down that they were short on, that set up the fourth down that they failed to convert, which Porter had to break up on Higgins. Um, That's a 21 nothing game. I mean, that's to make that stop, not allow Irwin to fall forward at all and, and make a really forceful tackle there to force third down. Huge point in that game. He's one-on-one. He misses that tackle. That's a touchdown. So I think Porter have the clip and some of the stats in the article for the site. His tackling has gotten much, much better. Yeah, that was over to the left side there. And that mm-hmm. could have very easily turned into a first down in that situation. Uh, or, or touchdown. Or touchdown. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's, it, he's never going to become a, probably a great tackler, but he's a lot more physical and he's just a lot more effective lately. It was kind of a throwaway comment. Uh, 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 by the announcers in that game, but it it stuck with me because he had another uh, he had a holding right in this one uh, holding call on him. Yes, uh, and he was wearing those bright yellow gloves in this game. My I put this out on Twitter not long uh, after it. You know what he needs to do? He needs to start to to kind of just a little help his cause a little bit. He needs to start wearing gloves that matches the opposing uniform top. Yeah, or at least dark gloves. You know, just generally, don't wear the bright yellow gloves. It's a bad idea. Now, is that is, is that a huge, uh, significant thing here? Look, it it can't hurt. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, it, it's it's honestly probably a factor because it's noticeable. A yellow right. gloves on a white jersey that's going to stick out. Right, and it was kind of a throwaway comment by the announcers in that one, but it I, it did kind of hit home with me based on how many calls have kind of gone against him in that area. Good luck. I mean, they, they all tug and pull, right? But why call attention? Why make it easier for, for them to pick out with wearing yellow, bright, uh, the, the, those yellow gloves or gold gloves uh, against a white uniform top? Sure. You should wear the, the black gloves at least. And that's going to be a little less noticeable. The aesthetic might not be as clean, but you know, you don't, you don't want to wear yellow flags and get or yellow gloves to wear, to get yellow flags. So um, yeah, I think it's actually a really good point. All right. Anything else here defensively? Again, TJ Water, you said great. Highsmith, great. Um, those guys making plays. Watt up to 17 sacks in the season. I don't think he's going to threaten the record, but you know, you never know what could happen in these final two games. Maybe he gets a, a backup against Baltimore in Week 18, something like that. Jonah Williams had to be coming uh, out of that huddle in the second half, thinking, "Oh crap! Oh, oh fudge!" <laughs> he didn't say fudge. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it was uh, he. He had his hands full, and then once again, you get yourself in a position where you where you guys can start teeing off like that. Not, yeah. you know, not ha- not have to hesitate to worry about the run or anything like that. That that that's the kind of thing that you uh, can can potentially get. It's it's amazing they didn't even cause. It's amazing they didn't cause more havoc than they actually did. You know. Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, yeah, I think Williams had a false start after getting beat on that one rep, and the next rep he gets out there trying to leave a little bit early on a set, and he gets flagged for it. And then early in the game, TJ Watt gets held, still sacks Browning, still forces the fumble, which Cincinnati recovered. But I mean, those are, are TJ Watt like plays. I, I I don't know who's going to win Defensive Player of the Year at, at this point, though. With the plays that Watt's making, he leads the NFL in sacks. He gets around twenty with all the numbers that he has. 
I mean, I have a sinking feeling it's going to go to Garrett still, but how could it not go to TJ Watt? You know what? You say a lot of things about Shannon Sharp, about uh, commentary and all like that. But I'll tell you what, Shannon Sharp uh, knows his football history and he mm-hmm. knows and he knows football. And that uh, what's the name of that show that he he and Ocho Cinco do? Is it Nightcap, I think. Nightcap. Yeah. The uh, uh, I got crowd into recording that for you fellas the other night there. And uh, it actually ended up being what Shannon Sharp had to say portion of it ended up being pretty damn good uh, overall uh, talking about the differences of what the, you know, they, and they got into who should be the uh, defensive player of the year. And he made us, he made a really strong point for TJ Watt. And another thing that that's kind of undersold in all that talk uh, there is remember that TJ Watt has to drop, you know, it's not like it's a huge mm-hmm. percentage, but TJ Watt uh, uh, drops a lot more than all those other guys because of the nature of the position that he plays. And those are lost opportunities to get after the quarterback. It's about 10% and probably in recent weeks higher than 10%, I would say. I'll have to check my charting on that. But yeah, I mean, you know, he doesn't have the rush opportunities that, that others do as consistently. And he makes plays in coverage too. I mean, he's got a pick this year and, and a great run back. So that's a conversation for the offseason, obviously. Uh, a lot more things happening right now, but 17 sacks, four forced fumbles, a pick, all the plays that he makes to run defense. To me, it's TJ Watt. He's the guy. So if you get a chance and you want to uh, inter- maybe get entertained, there is a lot of cussing in it and all like that, but uh, uh, that that segment that Shannon Sharp and Ocho Cinco had after that game uh, was, was pretty entertaining overall. Special teams overall, I mean, Chris Boswell, another 50-yarder uh, uh, field goal made, his 30th of his career. I mean, I, 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 it's hard to kind of go through all the names, but I have probably gone through two dozen kickers, Dave, you know, past and present. I can't find anybody in NFL history that has a better 50-plus-yard field goal percentage than, than Chris Boswell, which sits around 81 82% for his career, 30 or 37. He may be currently, statistically at least, the best 50 plus yard kicker in NFL history. I don't think he's going to get a pro bowl nod this year because of the way the voting is going. I, I suppose it's, re, it's still though uh, the, uh, the fan voting's one third of that, obviously in the, and, 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 and the coaches and players, I, I think still have, have, uh, you know, the say in that, but it doesn't feel like he's going to get an all, uh, a pro bowl nod. You think he's going to get an all pro nod? He that should you, be in consideration. Tucker statistically is not having a great year. I don't know how much of that is other stuff. He's one of five on 50 plus. I, again, I know that Tucker is, you know, often kicking from deep, deep range. You know, we're talking 60 plus, which Boswell, you know, almost never does. Had that one miss against Jacksonville. Uh, all, all I know is Boswell's having a, an amazing season. Yeah. And and for this offense, not in this game, but just overall, they struggled to have a guy like that is uh, extremely valuable. You know, another thing we've been back, we, we had that Presley Harvin conversation and uh, talked about was one of the things that uh, keeping him around is uh, being part of that battery uh, on, 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 on field goals and all. And to his credit, uh, that was a, that was a, a tough snap to handle by uh, uh, they, they, who, who did that game? He keep, he kept wanting to call the holder uh, Christian, yeah. uh, Christian Coots. You know, but uh, it, it was Harvin, obviously. Uh, Harvin did a great job of uh, getting that snap and getting it down for Boswell on that one. Yeah, the announcing crew was a little rough in this game, if I'm being charitable here on this Christmas mm-hmm. Day. But yeah, that was, I mean, I think Harvin has developed into a really good holder. The punting, though, even in this game, it was mm-hmm. a bit better than where it's been, but just not not getting what you need. 
Uh, Miles Boykin with a special teams tackle. Yep. I mean, that's a guy that does those little things well. And I think it was on a punt punt play there. So um, don't, don't know how many how many tackles does Boykin have this year. I don't know where that ranks in, in comparison to other seasons. Um, maybe not his, his banner year. For you. But yeah, that, that's important too to limit net. I mean, one one factor, you know, we talk about net with punters. That's more of a coverage stat than it is a punter stat. There's a punter component to it, obviously, but also a coverage uh, component to it. So um, you know, when you, you need good coverage guys and to have Boykin, he's still one of the better ones in football. Uh, let's see. Leading the team in total special teams tackles is Miles Killebrew. Second on the team, he has 11 total, uh, 10 regular, one assist. James Pierre, second uh, with, with uh, seven total. Uh, Nick Herbig has five total. Rod, hot Rod, hot Rodney Williams with five, <laughs> uh, and Miles Boykin uh, with, with 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 five total, and Mark Robinson with five. Nice. Talk about somebody who should be all pro. How's Miles Killebrew? He's got to be all pro special team. I mean, how could he not? Two block punts and all those tackles. We'll see. He he deserves it. Will he's he? Not, he's not going to get the Pro Bowl nod, but uh, I don't think. But uh, we'll see what happens with the All Pro. I guess another year for Matthew Slater, maybe getting that. I don't, I don't know. What his, did he make a pre Pro Bowl last year? He's made a Pro Bowl in a couple of years. Slater hasn't, but either way, we'll see. Killebrew certainly. I mean, who who blocks two punts in a season? You know, nobody. So he deserves it. All right, shall we get to the elephant in the room? Yeah, let's talk about quarterback. And the the great part of the Mason Rudolph game was that it's a great game. It's a great win, but I did kind of have a little pit in my stomach of, okay, I know what the, I know what I'm writing about 57 times this week, Dave, talking about quarterback situation, who will be this team starter? Will it be Mason Rudolph? Will it be Kenny Pickett? Mike Tomlin said it was too early to ask and answer that question post game. Tomlin will speak to the media on Tuesday at noon. I assume he'll announce somebody by then, but maybe he keeps things open-ended. I mean, there is maybe the out of, oh, Pickett isn't fully healthy and we'll play things by ear and see what his status is. And that may be partially true but do you really do you really believe it i think you know if rudolph had laid an egg in this game it'd been very clear that kenny pickett will be the starter so all of that is to say dave who will be the starter and who should be the starter all right uh let's uh let's box that's it's christmas let's tie this let's let's put this in the box neatly and and make sure we we uh don't do a guy wrapping paper job uh, <laughs> on this one. I think it's important to kind of lay all this out from all the angles before we uh, uh, each give kind of our opinion on, on what we would do. Uh, first and foremost, we asked a rhetorical question the other day. What happens if Rudolph comes out, has a good game and yada, yada? Uh, well, uh, it's not rhetorical anymore, right? Uh, it, 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 it happened there. And now the question is being asked, who should be the team's uh, starter uh, this this week? Uh, and especially assuming if Kenny Pickett gets cleared. Uh, I will start with this aspect of it uh, here, uh, of, of, of all the things to consider. First and foremost, Kenny Pickett, you know, is still, we, we have to find out where he is at physically. Now, he obviously was ruled out for this past game, but he did get uh, uh, some work in uh, uh, on, on the practice field. So uh, I think you have to look at that situation in, 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 in one area here. Can, is he where you want him physically, where he can protect himself uh, first and foremost? Uh, that That's going to be one component of this. The second component of this is there is no denying 
that this offense got the spark with uh, with Mason Rudolph uh, out, out there on the field, and that that you know the rest of the offense is probably feeling himself a little bit, thinking, "Man, that damn sure went well." You know, mm-hmm. uh, then there is the aspect of what the politics aspect and the the future damage control if for some reason you go with Mason Rudolph over Kenny Kenny Pickett and Kenny Pickett's look you're you're to me if 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 you clear Kenny Pickett to play in this game and you make him a backup you know the number 2 there's going to be a lot of talk oh yeah what it, what it, yeah However, you want to frame what that talk's going to be going to look like. Does does it? What does this mean? What does this mean <laughs> for, for for Kenny Pickett? You know, uh, he's he was healthy enough to dress, but he wasn't healthy enough to start. So I think you got to be careful there. Uh, the other aspect of it is okay. Let let's say you went with Kenny Pickett with the idea of of of, of hooking him if if you need be. Well, it was never the 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 idea that you would even consider hooking Kenny Pickett prior to this game has not, at least in my mind, theoretically existed. So what would that mean if you got to that point? And then there's a the whole aspect of what do you think is the best thing to help you? Cause you got to win these two games, yep. you know, what is the best thing for this team right now in the present when it comes to getting in the tournament? So did I miss anything as far as the fact, the, the, the kind of the very, you know, objective look at the factors involved? No, I think you covered all your bases there, Dave. I mean, we agree though. Let's, let's just assume for a second that Mason Rudolph did not have the performance he had and he was either middling or poor and they either won super close or they lost this game. Had no, that no question. Can he pick at your starter? So right. I think it's, going to be hard for Tomlin to try to pull that pick. It's just not quite healthy enough. Even if he was inactive for this game and was the third you know, inactive third quarterback and Mitch Trubisky dressed and was the backup in this one. I think it's going to be hard to, for that room to sit there and actually believe that. So then it kind of comes down to health is kind of put aside, barring a setback or something unforeseen. And who do you think the best quarterback is to, to win this game? You know, who is that guy? That becomes the question. And that's a whole debate right there all right now look uh, i i will say this you're out you're out here as an organization and for tomlin is to put it on kenny pickett's health right but who who's going to believe that will the guys in that locker room believe that will kenny pickett believe that if everybody knew that this guy's fine and he's been working back and week 17 was the target date and that's been the full expectation for probably some time now that this would be the game he would return I think it's 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 easily it's 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 more easily sellable at that point. It's sellable, but who's buying? Who's buying that? I mean, I think again, we we know that if it's Rudolph the easiest not play well, buy. It's the easiest buy out of out of everything that does not include Kenny Pickett starting. I think if you're, I think you got to you know nut up and make a call if you're Mike Tomlin. They're healthy. This is the quarterback we we trust to win. That's how I think you have to approach it. Okay. But uh, I under, I understand. I mean, if you it, the case to start Rudolph is how do you see that performance against Cincinnati and look at that locker room and say, okay, let, let, let's yank that guy. You finally got thirty something points. You finally got a great quarterback performance, a complete game. How do you pull that guy 
in a moment where, as you said, you have to win these next two games. Right. And then, then, like I said, the, the, the politics factor in this, regardless of what happens against Seattle, if, if, if Ru- Rudolph is a starter, it will need to be dealt with at some point. Sure. Well, that's the other factor too. Let's say you go with Rudolph. I mean, that essentially means in my mind, and I think most people would or should agree, you are benching Kenny Pickett. You do not believe he's the best option to win. He is healthy and you don't believe he is the option to win a must win game. What does that say about the future of Kenny Pickett right. as the Pittsburgh Steelers starter and presumed, maybe no longer presumed, franchise quarterback? Right, right. The, because that talk it will exist. Yeah, into the whole offseason, too. It's not going right. to just go right. away after the Seahawks game. It's going to be the question, The and what if, and this is a whole rabbit hole, what if Rudolph starts against Seattle, he plays poorly, and they lose. Now you have this crazy quarterback controversy. You go back to Pickett. I mean... I, I think there are long-term, I'm not saying you can't start Rudolph, but there are, there are long-term consequences to starting Rudolph in this game. I agree. So I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm torn on where this thing's going to go. <laughs> well, uh, look, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult decision because you have to be concerned with what happens now before anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, this is just me. I would start Rudolph in this game. And that's just based on the results that you got against the Bengals. Right. Mike sure. Tomlin's, you know, told us we got, to, and the whole reason they went to, to, to Mitch, uh, I mean, from, from Mitch to Mason was, we got to start scoring more points. Uh, in this, we've got to you know protect the football, score more points, and all that. Now, look, one thing the the saving grace here for Kenny Pickett is he protects the football. Okay, mm-hmm. but what else is has Ken, Ken? And this is I'm not looking past anything uh, other than this next start when it comes to Kenny Pickett. All right, what has he done up until this point that gives you? any confidence that it would be Mason Rudolph like to some degree in this game against the Seahawks, the saving, the saving grace so far for Kenny Pickett of what he has done, right. Is some late game uh, drives and wins and protecting the football. What else outside? And, you know, he has completed a few down the field in, 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 in some key situations, but what else has he done? Yeah, not, not enough. He's not produced the way that Rudolph produced in this game. There's just no denying that. And I understand, look, I, I do not envy Mike Tomlin in this situation because it feels like it's more lose, lose. If you don't win, win (laughs) 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 to, 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 to close out the season. Um, Based on what I've seen on the tape and then coming out of obviously the game against the Bengals, uh, personally, I feel like I would start Rudolph. Where are you on? I've, I've, I've made my declaration. Yeah, I was hoping it's, you would it's, it's your turn and don't you bounce around this thing. I was, I was, tr- my plan was to bounce around this thing. So yeah. I'm mad that, that you, uh, you're given a, 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 you know, great answer there. I don't know. I mean. And once again, I'm not taking a shot. This is sure. to me about this. It all 
it's about this next game. I'll worry about the politics and the rest after the fact. Yeah, it's a convincing argument. And and you're right. I mean, you could at least try to sell the story that, okay, Pickett just is not quite there yet. Let's give him one more week and kind of use that as a de facto. Let's give Mason Rudolph one more week and kind of see how he does and, and, and take it from there. Oh man, Dave! I, I, and look, I, I'm gonna get uh, you. I'm gonna get and you. Depending on what you say, is gonna get yeah. backlash. Backlashes too. It's gonna be all Dave. Dave hates Kenny Pickett. No, I am worried about this next game. No, and and, and I mean that's what this conversation should be about. I mean, really, it shouldn't be. And ideally, it's not about the politics and the long term stuff. It's it's you know if the decision is who's the best guy to win right now because you have to win right now. So Dave, let me let me give the answer though, and and I'll. I'll I'll partially play the other side to get the hate from the other side. I, I would start Kenny Pickett because this is supposed to be your franchise guy. You're supposed to see this thing through. And like 80% of the firing of Matt Canada was to see how Kenny Pickett could look in this system without Matt Canada, you know, run by Faulkner and Sullivan. And to Pickett's credit, although he didn't finish the drives to Rudolph finish, he played well against the Bengals in that one game we saw sure. post Canada. He had a, a really strong game overall. There's no denying that there's things to work on. Um, but you know, you know, had Deontay caught that touchdown and had they ruled out a touchdown, we're probably even feeling better about that game. Uh, now, he did struggle against Arizona in that first half before getting hurt, but it's not like Kenny Pickett was playing poorly in his last game against the Bengals or Rudolph just succeeded against the Bengals as well. So for me, we know that Mason Rudolph is not the long-term guy. I think, I think he should be the number two quarterback, a really quality backup. I would resign him in a heartbeat this offseason. I think I, I trust him to come in for a game or two and, and play similar or at least play winning football as he did on Saturday. But you know, Kenny Pickett's supposed to be your guy. You got to learn as much as you can about Kenny Pickett as possible. And again, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to turn the football over and he did play well against Cincinnati and trust that your playmakers can make plays for the guy and they can all come together and, and play well together. So I'll take the other side of this, Dave, and say it should be Kenny Pickett. Okay. And if you do, if, if Kenny gets cleared and he does start, don't you dare damn pull him. No, you don't, can't pull him. No, don't, you can't. don't you hook him. You can't, you can't bench. I mean, that just creates so much. I mean, you just are a rudderless ship at that point. If you're just rotating quarterbacks, you have no plan and no confidence in, in either guy. So the question becomes, we've given our answers, our answers on what we think they should do. What will Mike Tomlin do? That's the ultimate question. I think if Kenny Pickett can prove in practice that uh, he can, he can do the things that they want him to do uh, related to a game plan related to the uh, Seahawks game specifically. Uh, I think they start Kenny Pickett. I, we had a conversation that you mentioned on Friday show, whenever it was. And I said, Kenny Pickett's going to be the guy. And even watching Rudolph, Midway through that game, I still thought, okay, Pickett's going to be the guy, but you do see the final result, and it is hard to look at that locker room and say, okay, we're going to pull the guy that finally gave you the first performance you've been searching for the entire season. But Pickett is Tomlin's guy, and Tomlin's philosophy is you don't lose your job to injury. So I, I'm not as confident, not nearly as confident as I was even midway through the, through the Bengals game. I'll lean that he goes with Pickett, but I really don't know which way Tomlin's going to go. If Pickett's health, okay, uh, I'm going to remove one of the uh, – because you're still skirting me here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not skirting. I said – I, I if, said, if Kenny's cleared, if, 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 if Kenny – and we won't ever really know. We're not there at practice, all like that. Do you think his choice is Kenny 
what what I think yeah. what I think he'll do is if he wants to start Rudolph, he will try to use the guise of Pickett's not fully okay. healthy. I think that's what he will do. I don't think he's going to openly say Pickett's healthy. He's good to go. We're just choosing to go Mason Rudolph. I think he's going to try to. That's soften. the less. That's the less dirtiest. It's also kind of the more dirtiest in a sense because we all know it's pretty much a BS. Um, but, but but we yeah, don't really. We point. we can think that we think that we know. But, but we the don't players know. Will know. Pickett will know. But yeah, I mean, uh, publicly, it, it's 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 a softer, the softer landing to stick with Rudolph. I, I think that if Rudolph is the guy, that's how he'll approach it. That he will never declare Pickett fully healthy and simply say that Rudolph's going to be the guy that they're, they're they're turning to. And as long as you win, it's the right decision either way. Sure. And if you lose, it's the wrong decision, no matter right. what what you decide. I mean, that's that's the results based orientation of, of football and sports. Right. Personally, and and. You know, I'll, I'll catch y'all from this probably more than you will. But uh, personally, I like what I saw the other night, and I all I am worried, I worry. I'll deal with the after after, uh, but I all I'm worried about this game against the Seahawks. And I know I, I get that, and, and I, I I think I uh, now here here's the thing: if if you if, if you do make the decision to start Rudolph, you damn sure better make Kitty Pickett inactive. Yeah. Uh, uh, because then you're, you're, you, that, 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 uh, you know, that, that it's still dirty. Right. Well, that's my point is that there's, I don't see a scenario in which Rudolph is the starter and Kenny Pickett is to, is dressing as the backup. They're going to just say health and he's not, he's not quite there yet. And we'll see what happens in week, week 18. That's going to be Tomlin's response. Cause you can't have Pickett on the sideline with the 74 camera shots of him standing right. there on the sideline and all the questions post game, you were healthy, but you didn't play. And, all that kind of stuff that Tomlin's not going to go down that road. So again, I think Kenny Pickett, you know, can play some winning football. And again, I, I don't, I'm going to get the, I'm a Mason Rudolph hater comments in response. I'm sure I like Mason. I wanted Mason to start. I wanted him coming in halftime against the Patriots. I wanted him to start against the Colts. I thought he was the, the clear option over Trubisky. And I, I'm thrilled as anybody that Rudolph succeeded in this game, but also he is not the long-term answer for this team. We all know that. And, you know, it should be at least point out the Bengals, they weren't unfamiliar with Rudolph, I'm sure, to some extent, but you know, it's the first time he's played in a long time. The Seattle now has tape on Mason Rudolph and kind of a better feel for how he plays. And so, you know, is Rudolph going to go out there and have another amazing game against Seattle? There's probably going to be some regression. You saw in Josh Dobbs in Minnesota after a couple games, you know, that, that carriage turned into a pumpkin. So I don't want to assume that Rudolph is going to go out there and play incredible football the rest of the way. All right, here's, here's the plus plus to come out of a decision of starting picket this week uh Pickett comes out and has the best game of his career couple touchdown passes pushes the football down the field somewhere close to if not exceeds the performance by Mason Rudolph against the Bengals that is a uh catapult game for this organization going forward that would be the most ideal outcome where you start Pickett and he has a great game and you're fully rolling with Pickett the rest of the way. That is the most ideal thing to have happen. Right. So once again, I don't envy what Mike Tomlin has, uh, the decision he has ahead of him this week. Sure. But if it is Rudolph, and maybe it is, to me, although I'm sure Tomlin will try to soften and spin it, you are essentially saying that we trust Mason Rudolph more than Kenny Pickett to win this game, this must win essentially a playoff game for the Steelers. And I think it's just hard to then go back to Pickett at some point week 18 or next year and say, this is our franchise guy. 
Right, because obviously, if you don't choose him as the starter uh, for this game, and he's health, you know, obviously health, blah blah blah, uh, then this is going to roll into the early off season. Are they going to look for a quarterback? And mm-hmm. uh, it 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 does get it. Uh, even even if you go out against Seattle and, and and you blow them out, Rudolph has another game like he had again. It all that stuff's not going to go away. Well, I almost amplified because if Rudolph has a great game, then you can't bench Rudolph after two great games. And we know Pickett's definitely going to be healthy by January 7th, week 18. So at that point, it just clearly Mason Rudolph is our starting quarterback, not even a health related discussion at that point. You can take that for maybe this week, but not for next week. So, I mean, those are good problems to have in some sense, but also difficult problems to have as well. Right, right. I, I, so. I, I agree. It's it's going to be interesting. I really don't know which way this thing's going to go. The only thing I can unequivocally uh, uh, speak in an absolute about, Mason Rudolph will be in uniform against this team. <laughs> also, Mitch Trubisky will not start this game. You can also say that. Yeah, we're, we're going to go out on a limb here and predict that Mason Rudolph will be in uniform and Mitch Trubisky will be uh, inactive. And if he is inactive, he'll be he'll have the third quarterback. Does he'll be he'll be in uniform, too, but uh, uh, potentially. He won't start. We know he will not start. Uh, this yeah. Game. Uh, if if Kenny Pickett's in uniform and 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 starts this game, Mitch Trubisky will be the inactive number three. Right. So we'll see. Do you think Tomlin says it outright tomorrow, or do you think he kind of does the whole we'll we'll see what Pickett's health and leave the light on for him, Motel Six kind of thing? I think they really probably want to see how he does in practice this week. I would, and then, I, would, I would think, and that's fair. That is a valid thing. I mean, you still, he's not had a full day's practice. So that is, but I mean, if he has a full day's practice, he's, is he running with the ones? Is he running with the twos? I mean, <laughs> even practice reps are going to be, you know, looked at and, and monitored. I might not live till Wednesday. All I can tell you is during tu- <laughs> Tuesday is uh, I could foresee Tomlin saying, uh, if he doesn't definitively name one, him saying that we want to look, we want to see how Kenny does in practice this week. But if he opens it up like that, then, you know, that, that's another can inside the can of worms, you know, but that might uh, be a sign that Rudolph will be the guy if he kind of has. I, I think Tomlin will phrase it as we're going to play it by ear tomorrow. Right, right. And look, I mean, keep the opponent guessing on it. You know? Yeah, that's also true. Now, it's a small point, but who speaks to the media on Wednesday? Is it Pickett? Is it Rudolph? Is it Pickett and Rudolph? I mean, those kind of things, too. Those are kind of your de facto. Usually the media kind of tells you the starting quarterback is going to be right. the starting quarterback speaks on Wednesday. True, true. So it's going to be talked about endlessly, not really talked about too much right now. But once Tomlin comments tomorrow, um, it's going to be the story of the week. And look, I bet our listenership is split on this. You know, so for every hate email I get, there's probably somebody nodding their head, you know, same with you. I do believe I probably the majority, I don't know what the percentage would be, but the majority would say to start Rudolph. That was kind of the feel that I've gotten reading my Twitter mentions and mm-hmm. Depot comments, I think. And, and understandably, I mean, he had a great performance. It's it's hard. Again, it's hard to look at the locker room and say this guy that was just awesome for us. We're going to bench him. We're going to go back. to right. Kenny Pickett. I mean, it, it, that's a tough thing to do. You talk about losing locker rooms when decisions like that get get made and they don't work out in your favor, you start guys start losing trust in you as a coach. Look, you better win this game, whatever yeah, your decision is. Yeah. Yeah. You better be right about this thing. So 
We'll see. We'll uh, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about it a million times more on Wednesday's show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) More limbs were going out on Dave. A couple other things to get to as we kind of close things out Uh, pregame prior to the Bengals game. uh, Pro football talks. Mike Florio saying that only does the Steelers intend to keep Mike Tomlin in 2024. They plan to extend his contract this offseason. That was before the Bengals game. I think people are more receptive to the idea than they were uh, prior to kickoff on Saturday. So that, that, that to me, again, I, I've always been confident, even in, in the lowest points of this three-game losing streak, that Tomlin was going to return in 2024, not going to get fired, not going to get traded. Extension, I was a little iffy on how that might work, but Florio was saying the plan is to extend Tomlin. Yeah, uh, and some, you know, half of our listeners will, will, will go with that. Half will tell you that Florio don't, don't, doesn't really know what's going on. I thought Dungy's comments were uh, not amplified enough and all, because obviously he knows Mike Tomlin, Tomlin as well, too. Uh, Jay Glazer seemed to dance around it a little bit during his report yesterday morning. Uh, so, but this goes back to kind of, and, and I agree with you. Uh, I have not reached any point where I would think without a, I, I would be surprised at this point if Mike Tomlin is not the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2024. Now the whole extension thing and, and all like that, I, you know, I, I don't have a great, great feel on uh, at this point, but I, I think all the talk outside of that's just more specul- speculative than anything. And what did Dungy say exactly? Just to amplify that. I, I don't just to put that out there. Uh, let me pull a full quote for you here. I mean, the essence was essentially Mike Tomlin wants to return in, in Dungy saying that basically that he thinks, by that, he by thinks that, that that's the way that uh, yeah. uh, it's going to go. He says, Tony Dungy on Mike Tomlin wanting to come back. Well, I know Mike Tomlin and he does want to come back and he wants to come back and fix that and change that and get those spoiled brats together. Uh, the other aspect that he said, Tony Dungy said on Mike Tomlin's situation, I played there. I coached there. I know how the Roonies think. Okay. They've had three coaches in 45 years. They've never fired a coach in that time. They support their coaches. They're going to support Mike Tomlin. Here's what Mr. Rooney would think right now. Who do I want to coach my team next year? Oh, I would go out. I I could go out and get somebody. Maybe I could go get somebody who's 51 years old, who's taken 10 teams to the playoffs, who's taken two teams to the Super Bowl. He knows my team. He knows my city. Oh, that's who I have already. I think I'll stay with him. And then he ends that uh, uh, that by saying that's what's going to happen. I believe him. And Dungy is saying that as essentially a matter of fact, saying Mike Tomlin wants to come back, not just I think, I presume, I believe Mike Tomlin. And he's saying Mike Tomlin wants to come back. But, you know, despite all the trade talk and all that, I mean, there was no indication Tomlin wanted to leave Pittsburgh. Right. I mean, it was never anything, you know. It's tangible. all speculatory. It, it, it's easy. It's easy pickings when it comes yeah. to that. I'm sure there's teams that would love for him to become available, but that's that's just not going to happen. Tomlin will be back in 2024. And, and, and the heat has certainly been taking down a couple notches after this game. I don't want to lose sight that Pittsburgh is still very much in danger of not making playoffs and they're playoff uh, winless streak extending to seven straight years. And those talks may come back up if Pittsburgh can't get into the postseason and understandably and rightfully so. But putting all that aside, Tom is going to be the coach in 2024 and likely, 
I mean, I'd be careful my language. Still a good chance to be coaching beyond that. I think 2024 will become an important year for him, though. I agree. Uh, I think we leave that packed in that that Christmas yeah. box right for there. Next year. Uh, next year's right. uh, uh, playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, let's talk scenarios. And we had a good chat in Discord uh, today and had the post that's gotten very popular on Seals Depot. The most realistic path to the playoffs. Not the only path. There are many ways that this thing could happen. Pittsburgh with about depending on the outlet, 13 to 17% odds. But Dave, from the scenario that you laid out, I mean, the path is, it, it's real. You can see it. it. It may be difficult to walk, but you can see this playoff pass. So just to, to throw this out there, the most realistic and likely way for Pittsburgh to get in the postseason is to, of course, win out, beat Seattle in week 17, beat, beat Baltimore in week 18, Jacksonville to lose, lose or tie one of their next two games and essentially the Colts and Texans don't finish with 10 wins, but they're not going to do that because they play each other in week uh, week 18. They're both eight and seven right now. So, I mean, that that's doable, Dave. Uh, it's real and it's spectacular, as you would say on the Seinfeld, uh, Seinfeld uh, show there. Uh, they technically don't, still don't obviously control their own destiny. But when you look at the way this thing sets up, if you want to talk about the cleanest, easiest path, I think you just did it. Jacksonville to lose or tie one of their next two games and the Steelers uh, win uh, uh, their final two, of course. Now, uh, look, you've got those. The Steelers right now are the number nine seed in the AFC uh, behind me. Let me pull this up so I make sure I'm, I'm exactly correct on this. Indianapolis is the seventh seed. Let, let, let's go. Let's go one one ahead of that. Buffalo is the sixth seed at nine and six. Indianapolis is the seventh seed at eight and seven. Houston is the eighth seed at eight and seven. The Steelers are the ninth seed at eight seven. Everybody below them does not matter to the Steelers uh, at, at, at this point as long as the Steelers win out uh, here. So, Indianapolis and Houston, one of those teams will have at the minimum, a tie uh, and potentially a loss because they they play each other in the final week of the season there. So if the Steelers get to 10 and 7, they will be have a better record than one of those two teams. That we know, all right? Uh, <clears throat> as far as the Jacksonville Jaguars go, somebody has got to win the South Division, right? So they're, they're all uh, doing their best to lose it, but yeah, right. somebody will have to win it. All right. So as, as you mentioned, uh, Jacksonville uh, likely needs to, as far as the cleanest path goes, or would, would need to, if you're involving Jacksonville in this need to lose or tie one of their final two games. And they play home to Carolina this week and then at Tennessee in week 18. Right. Now, if you want to get really, really hopeful, uh, it would uh, to to really increase your odds. It would be for both Indianapolis and Houston to both lose their Week 17 games. Right, that's one of the scenarios. Kind of, in, we're just talking like the cleanest, most realistic, right. least amount of things that have to happen for Pittsburgh to get in the playoffs. And obviously, if uh, Buffalo could could play into this somehow if Buffalo were to lose their final two games and the Steelers win their final two, the Steelers would obviously be able to trump them. 
in this thing. Uh, Cleveland, while they have not uh, clinched a playoff scenario uh, uh, spot yet, it's it's it would probably be a minor miracle if they didn't at some point yeah. in this. They win Thursday, they're in. Their odds are ninety nine percent, so they're going to be in the playoffs. Right. So, look, it all. You got to win your two games. That not nothing's going to happen unless you unless you're the Steelers and you win your final two games. Now the interesting thing here is with Baltimore. You know, let's assume, and that's dangerous to do. The Steelers beat the the Seahawks. Uh, with this game coming up later on tonight between Baltimore and San Francisco, Baltimore's already got a a, a, a playoff spot here. It's it's it. You want Baltimore to beat San Francisco, right? Yeah, you want them to try to have nothing to play for in week 18. So you want them to be the one seed to potentially sit their their starters for the finale. Right. Now, Baltimore and I guess Miami's still in running for that top spot, right? Yeah, I hadn't done a lot of research on scenarios did, did for Baltimore the top Did Baltimore play seat. Miami this year? I am not oh. sure. Let's see. Check. No, they, they play have... them next week. They play them next week. Oh, all right. Well, that's that's probably for the one seed, I guess, huh? Yeah. Essentially. So and... you, you probably want Baltimore to win tonight and beat yeah. Miami next week. If Baltimore wins tonight, do they clinch the North? No, they can't, right? They can't clinch the North with a win tonight. I don't believe so. I think I did see that um, because they have not even – if they lose tonight, the North becomes – kind of a jump ball again with Cleveland continuing to find ways to win. Baltimore will still be in first place, 11-4 versus 10-5. and But basically to me, if Baltimore loses tonight, they're playing their starters in week 18. I don't think they're going to be able to have nothing to play for in the finale if they lose to the 49ers tonight. Right. I believe you're correct. I mean, maybe that I'm sure I'm sure it's maybe possible if they beat Miami and the Browns lose next week and like all these scenarios play out. But realistically, most likely if Miami Baltimore would have to lose their their last game then. Right. Because if, if Baltimore loses tonight to San Francisco, both both them and the Dolphins would be 11 and four. Now, the two teams obviously play in week 17 and whoever wins that game would only have a would have essentially a, a two-game lead, right? Because right. they, they have, have the head-to-head. So I guess Baltimore could still be the one seed if if they lose this game, they beat Miami next week, and Cleveland loses next week. Then will Baltimore have nothing to play for in the finale? That makes my head hurt. Yeah, and then does Kansas City have a chance for the one seed if Baltimore loses tonight? But then if Baltimore beats Miami, then that should discount that. So I guess there's still a chance Baltimore would have nothing to play for in the finale if they, even if they lose tonight, but the odds would dwindle pretty significantly. All right. So, uh, Pittsburgh just need, <laughs> they need, they need to beat Seattle. <laughs> yeah. That's what it comes down to. And but they, I mean, they're and five in their last five games against Seattle, ooh. uh, in Seattle. Yeah. Um, honestly, of those kind of prongs, the hardest aspect of the things to look for is Pittsburgh winning out. I mean, Jacksonville has lost four in a row. Trevor Lawrence has a shoulder injury. They are just spiraling out of control and losing miserably, too. They got blown out by Tampa Bay yesterday. So them, I know it's the Panthers and the Titans. It's not exactly we're talking about the top teams in the in the AFC. But, I mean, it's realistic for them to lose one of these games. Yeah, Jacksonville's what two and five since messing with the terrible towel. Yeah, that's what you get. So they've lost their last four. 
Um, so this thing, I, I, it feels like better than 13% chance for Pittsburgh right now. It does, but, 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 but they have to, of course, win out and they have two tough teams and on the road at Seattle, tough place to play. They just got a big win yesterday. And then at Baltimore, we'll see how that looks and what their starting situation is. But, but to go back to that, you know, we'll just, we'll keep playing. This team is more bipolar than I am. <laughs> All right, Dave, any final thoughts here from this one? No, sir. I think we got it. We'll talk a little bit more about the X's and O's as we get uh, into the All-22 in the Wednesday show. All right, good deal. Let's get to some emos. Close out today's show. Quick programming note, uh, no live stream tonight because it's Christmas and you know I got stuff going on and people have plans. So uh, Dave and I will do our uh, YouTube live stream on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time and then uh, go back to our normal schedule, hopefully, from there. But no live stream tonight. All right. Uh, how about some reader emails and wrap up the show, as you'd like to say? Yep, let's do it. All right. Uh, Bryce, uh, big win over the Bengals. Hey, guys. Merry Christmas. Dave didn't want to forget to say it's great to hear you feeling better. and Your health is on the upswing. Hope everything continues in 2024. My hair has gotten long, too. You'd like that, uh, Alex? Uh, yeah. No, uh, great. Two questions he has. Best win of the season for our Steelers. However, comma, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention the poor coaching job by the Bengals. Uh, seemed like they ran more man coverage, giving Rudolph easier reads. And the overall play call- calling was curious to say the least. From your expert eyes, what were the Steelers doing uh, to confuse the Bengals and make them play out of uh, style in a game? Look, I... I, the last thing I think you want to do is look at this and say, boy, the Bengals really blew this. Now, look, uh, the, the the fourth down call that they had was kind of curious. I tell you, another curious thing was after that. Uh, uh, oh, we forgot to mention Mike Tomlin won two challenges in this game. Mm. First time since 2013. And one of those, he got the opportunity because of uh, them not running up to the line of scrimmage and snapping the ball. At first, I thought that was uh, Browning uh, audibling there. But uh, uh, Zach Taylor said he, he, had, he, had, he had called for that. So uh, you want to talk about a couple of dubious things in that situation. Look, uh, 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 Browning was not sharp, made some bad decisions. Uh, I think the Steelers, some, some things that the Steelers did defensively with some of the coverages confused uh, uh, Browning in this game. Uh, as far as the Bengals defense go, look, they had a rookie over there at one, on, 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 on one side. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I don't I don't want to I don't want to take away from this game and, and make it seem like the Bengals lost this game and the Steelers won it. Didn't didn't win it. No, I mean, Pittsburgh, I think, you know, convincingly won it. But the Bengals did make some some questionable decisions along the way. There's no question about that. But Pittsburgh was in control. I mean, from you know, by the time those things even happened, Pittsburgh was up by a huge margin. So, I mean, they were they took control right away. Never looked back. Uh, second part, I know there's been a lot of talk about George Pickens, but do you think Najee really wants to be here in 2024? I've seen the talk from the PG that he doesn't want to be a Steeler anymore. Your thoughts? Look, all, all I'll say about about the Najee situation is uh, I don't think he's enjoyed himself at certain points during this year, and I bet a lot of players in that locker room uh, probably, you know, he he's obviously the most visible and all like that because – you know, tenureship on the offensive side of the ball and all like that. Uh, I, I I can't sit here and unequivocally say that Najee wants out of Pittsburgh after the 2023 season. I think that would be 
irresponsible on my part to say something like that. Uh, I think it'd be disrespectful to Najee. Uh, all I will say is that there have been, you know, spots during this season where it looked like not where it looked like Najee's not having a great time. Yeah, very clearly and understandably so. I mean, he definitely does not like the media. Uh, how does he feel exactly about the team? It's a little maybe harder to to suss out, but it's been been a tough year for him. I'm glad he had a a good showing against the Bengals. He, he loves playing the Bengals. He's had two good games against them. So um, I was hoping he would get to a thousand yards this year. I don't don't, don't think he's going to do it. He needs a buck ninety nine over his final two games. Unlikely to to happen there. The Steelers are five and zero in games this year when Najee Harris scores a touchdown. All right, that's a good, that's a quality stat of the weird for you. All right, Hunter Higgins writes in successful run rate. Hi, hey, Dave and Alex, awesome win. I was there for it, and that crowd eru- uh, absolutely erupted when Mason hit George on the opening TD pass. Like seeing GP back in his bag, he says. I listened to another podcast, and they talked about the running game for the Steelers during uh, Saturday's game having only 3.8 yards per carry. That obviously isn't great, but I have been educated through the tutelage of the terrible podcast uh provides that uh that that is not a good stat to go by do you guys know what the successful run rate was for this game i it felt like it would be good uh we seem to move the sticks and on quite a few run plays but mostly were short yardage lines to gain do you guys think the run game and passing game was as well balanced as we've seen this season first of all on the balance part boy uh hunter you hit that uh uh, right on the head. What they have like 32 passes and 31 runs or what was the, uh, what was the balance there? Uh, 17 and three, uh, no 27, three is 30 and 27 pass attempts plus a couple stacks. I mean, that's how balanced it was in this game. As far as pass and run, uh, goes as far as run, uh, success rates in this game particularly I know Najee had the most successful run rate of the, uh, the Steelers uh, 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 running game overall. Uh, The success rate rushing for the team, I believe was 45%, which, uh, you know, you'd obviously like it higher than that, but uh, for, for what they were doing in this game and the fact that they were getting explosive plays in the past game, it, 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 it's more than acceptable there. Uh, Najee's success rate was 53%. Jalen Warren's was 25%. Calvin Austin had a hundred percent, uh, on his one. And then Mason Rudolph, you know, that's one thing we didn't talk about was that scramble by Mason Rudolph. What a, what a, what a, what a key point. Well, yeah. Anyway, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I should have mentioned that too. And, 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 you know, guys have to admire and appreciate that and just kind of the, the toughness. And he just went all out. I mean, he, he, had, he had nothing to lose in this game, Dave. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he played smart, but he had nothing to lose in this game and played like it and kudos to him. Yeah. Their uh, success run rates may not have been spectacular, but nausea over 50% is, is positive. And again, just the second half kind of push and surge they got was, was impressive. Merry Christmas to you as well, Hunter. Thank you for writing in. Uh, Alexander Campbell writes in. Rudolph's lessons for Kenny. Great game. It was awesome to see the offense finally put up some points. And there are three things that I think Kenny needs to learn from Mason's game on Saturday to keep up the production moving forward. If slash when he returns to the starting role, one, be better in the pocket. Uh, by my eye, Mason seemed to hang in the pocket longer and navigate the pocket uh, better than our, our other quarterbacks this year. I mean, uh, 
hard, hard, hard to find truth in that. I mean, uh, uh, he's, he's not, he's he not Sam Howell standing there, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, Mason will, will stick it up in there, uh, uh, for sure. So uh, yeah, I, I, and look, the pr- protection was a little bit better. He trusted his protection a little bit more, uh, in there. Uh, overall. So yeah, Mason uh, did seem to hang in the pocket a little bit longer and navigate and, and look, he knew where his checkdowns were too. Yeah, he did. Although the line gave him time. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the, the Colts game, how bad that was. They were so much better against the Bengals uh, by, by far, but yeah, I mean, Rudolph played from the pocket. He did a great job. Number two, lead wide receivers on streaks. It feels like every time Kenny throws a, a, a streak, he goes for the back shoulder, especially to Pickens. Uh, that play is cool and all, but catching and running for a TD is cooler. Just saying, even if it results uh, more misses, Rudolph definitely missed some deep passes. It will result in more home runs, he writes. Now, here's the thing. Kenny has hit. You know, you go back to uh, the George Pickens against the, uh, uh, against the Ravens earlier in the season. You know, a couple of them down the sideline, you know, to to Deontay Johnson. He's 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 dumped in the bucket there. Now, those probably not a couple of, you know, a couple of bu- bucket drops to Deontay probably weren't conducive to maybe home run situations. But uh, it would it would be nice to see Kenny be able to throw more out there out there. Yeah, I think it was. I think even the back shoulder stuff was missing for large portions of the year, especially the start of the season. I don't know. If George Pickens caught a back shoulder throw into him. Maybe that Ravens game in Week Five. It, it's been an element that has been the deep ball just hasn't been there as often as it was even last year for Pickett and for this offense. Um, either it's you know true vertical shots or back shoulder throws for twenty plus yards. Uh, yeah, I mean yak is always what you want and always what you need. Um, but you know, you just take big plays, having get big plays and, you know, if Pickett starts, then big plays will still have to be there. I mean, that's, that's, that's the standard. This team is now proven they are capable of big plays. They're not always going to have the, the number and the significance that they had against the Bengals, but they have to get big plays. Yeah. But let's go back to the fact they only had three in this game, but they ended up in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, when they're 86 and 66 and 44 yards, you know, three might be all you, that you need. Right. Number three he has here from Alexander. Uh, Throw the slant accurately. It was refreshing to see Mason hit a couple of short crossing routes to guys on the move accurately so they could keep running. Not a common sight this year. All right. Now, not not going to take in. Not, look, you don't have to twist my arm to sign up for more <laughs> <laughs> slants uh, players running in space. On a scale of one to ten, how perfect was that pass to 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 George Pickens early. I, I mean, it was up there. I mean, like a nine. I mean, it was a good yak ball. Okay, but it wasn't a ten. Yeah, I mean, do you think it was a little high? Is that kind of where you're? Wasn't it a little from? bit behind him? A little bit? Maybe I'm. I'll have to go. I mean, things. I haven't seen it on all twenty-two. I mean, we're, I, we're splitting hairs yeah, here. He but, never had the bro- Pickens never broke stride right, to catch that right, pass. Right, right, right. Uh, but look, I'm point taken. Uh, hit, hit hit the slant accurately, uh, accurately as you can to give these guys room room to run his face. He says now, obviously, these are some some of the weaknesses that have been discussed about Pickett uh, all year. They won't magically improve, but seeing someone actually do these things and again just highlights how important these skills are to the offense. I guess my question is: is whether you think that Kenny can or will make the improvements in terms of pocket presence underneath accuracy, especially crossing routes, so that the offense can look like this all the time. Or whether it's time to go in a new direction. Look, that's we're all white. Uh, Alex, he's uh, both Alex's here. Uh, 
this is something that we, we we're hoping to see. I, I'm not going to unequivocally and say, you know, he says whether you think Kenny can or will make improvements. Uh, he needs to make improvements. I'll, I'll leave it at that. He does. I think he has made some. I think pocket presence improves. Mason Rudolph was a mess early in his career in the pocket. I think a lot of young quarterbacks struggle with that aspect, especially from the college game, whether you're scramblers, you kind of have that tendency to scrambler, or Rudolph that kind of played in this wide open, no one played defense in the Big 12 kind of kind of situation. Um, I think Pickett has made some some progress there, but more will be needed. All right, from Travis, uh, he writes in, LFG, what does LFG mean? Don't answer that on Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Let's just, fudge and go. Oh, are you gonna hey. put, I'm going to have to wash your mouth out with soap there. Uh, just want to thank you guys for another great year. You guys provide an objective look at the Steelers that doesn't rely on clickbait, which I really appreciate. The burn it all down narrative that plagues Steelers media is a bit unbearable. So thanks for being the best in the business. Well, thank you for that, Travis. Everyone is probably asking, do you start Mason Rudolph next game? You probably talked about a lot in the, in the podcast, so let's flip the narrative. Assuming Mason does start next week, what does his stat line need to look like to keep the job and start versus uh, the Ravens in the finale? That's uh, the interesting angle that we did not uh, address, but I will just say this. If Mason starts this game against the Bengals, his stat line needs to look like whatever produces a win. <laughs> That's what I knew you were going there. It's got to get a, a W in that. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I don't know what it has to look like in particular. It just has to be winning football. That's a cheap out on my part, but if you're going to make the decision to 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 uh, to to start Rudolph, uh, I'm not I'm not worried about the keep the job aspect of it, other than win now can it look bad and you win and then you get into another decision there i i suppose i mean that that that's uh i i would think he's gonna have to have ha if he starts i mean i think he's gonna have to uh you know, i'm not gonna say rubber stamp the game against the Bengals, but uh you're gonna have to probably have a touchdown pass or two uh Probably not going to be able to turn the football over. Uh, you're probably going to have to have three, four, five explosive plays in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a number, but they have to win, and they can't win in spite of Mason Rudolph. If those two things happen, then he'll probably continue to start. Thank you, Travis. Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, running, uh, quarterbacks going forward from uh, Chris with Rudolph, the red zone nightmare showing out versus the Bengals. Should the Steelers consider leaving him in until it doesn't work anymore? Or does Kenny, uh, or does Kenny come back once healthy? This is the most productive offense day the Steelers had all year. Chris, we're not going to dive into that because obviously we addressed that during uh, the podcast here. Thank you for the email. Uh, Steel Pastor writes in, Dave, question mark. Come on. Everyone knows that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> LOL. Ho, ho, ho. Hope you both uh, and the entire uh, Steelers Depot team have a fantastic Christmas. Thank you, Joe. But it's not a Christmas movie. Uh, it is. Uh, Anthony Alec uh, uh, Alexander. Camp no, I think this is another same Alex there. Uh, okay. I, 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 I think we've got to all of them here. We're running a little bit long overall here. I think we have given the people a nice hour and 45 minute Christmas episode of the terrible podcast. Alex, what say you? 
no regifting allowed. Hopefully you guys like it. Hopefully it's the right size, but uh, no, appreciate all the support. It's been a great year. It's, it's, it's just fun to talk about a win, Dave. I mean, it's yeah. just kind of a crappy last couple of weeks, just the same old, same old and just misery and everyone's mad. And so I don't know where the season's going to go. Pittsburgh still has a mountain to climb. It's going to be a tough road, obviously, but it's just, it's just good to talk about a win here for the holidays. What did you get for Christmas? You get a Zeppelin or Red Rider <laughs> BB gun or what'd you get? Did you oh, get a, bu- was... a bu- bu- bunny pajamas or what? Yeah, okay. I'm in my bunny pajamas right now. Um, what was it? A can of is it cyanide? Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah, right? cyanide. What is it? It's not cyanide. Cyanide. It sounds like, I I thought it was always cyanide. I was always like, that does not seem like a good gift idea. Okay. So I got some research. Get a bowling ball. A bowling ball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I will shoot my eye out later today. So uh, planning on that. Don't go sticking your tongue on any any, any flagpoles today. Uh, What is is cyanide? It's it's like like a car wax. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was that was popular kind of, you know, that and turtle wax came in came in cans and all like that back in I guess about that time. Yeah, I I never understood guys I always thought he was saying cyanide and I was like, that is not cyanide. Like, can't be right. Cyanide. All right. Well I you know what I learned something. They today, still they Dave. still sell cyanide. They, do they? Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go yeah. get some for, I know I'm getting you for Christmas then, Dave. No, no, no. Look, uh my wife takes the cars to get washed now. Ah, fancy, <laughs> fancy living. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anything else you'd like to add? Nope. Uh, again, live stream tomorrow, come back on Wednesday and, uh, we'll pick it up from there. We'll see what Mike Tomlin has to say. Absolutely. All right. Uh, everybody, uh, hope you have a great holiday season here and, uh, Merry Christmas. And, uh, we, we appreciate, uh, whenever you listen to this, uh, spending part of your day, uh, doing so. And hopefully you get by steedersdepot.com. Check out what we got going on on there. We got a lot of film rooms, I think in the works and obviously Mike Tomlin press conference will be covering on Tuesday. So until then. As always, you can follow me on the Twitter slash X machine at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com, hit the ad free button, upper right navigational bar, wherever you find it on the mobile app there. And uh, we appreciate that. So until Wednesday. As always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.